Guys, welcome to the podcast. Today is going to be an episode with Dwayne Adams, and we just covered in the last episode mule deer on the Kaibab Plateau. We kind of recapped Dwayne's uh, hunt last year, and he brings, uh, I think, 38, 39 years experience to the guiding world of, of, of in Arizona. And this episode is going to be on coos deer. Uh, we're going to go through units uh, 29... 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, and 36. Break down each individual unit, and Dwayne's going to weigh in on uh, trends in the unit, uh, densities in the unit, mountain ranges, etc. And I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this, especially with the uh, Arizona draw deadline being June 13th. Uh, this Tuesday coming up. And I just want to thank Dwayne for shedding all of the expertise and light on these units from, from years of, of, of knowledge and, and hunting. And he's kind of, quote unquote, the godfather of uh, long-range glassing and coos deer hunting in Arizona with big optics. Uh, so uh, I, I know you guys are going to like this episode. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for your loyal support. I want to encourage you, if you do listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So when I release uh, a new episode, it automatically comes on your phone and you don't have to go searching for it. Uh, if you guys want to send me any questions or comments uh, or any pictures uh, of your um, latest uh, adventures, you can do so at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can follow along uh, on Instagram at jscottoutdoors.com. You can send me a direct message through there. I also want to thank the sponsors of the podcast, Go Hunt Insider, uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, Phone Scope, and The Outdoorsman's. And you can check the show notes uh, in this uh, of this episode to see the different discounts uh, that you can get with these companies. And uh, I appreciate you guys supporting these sponsors. Um, and they make this uh, podcast, uh, the ability for this podcast to be free. And I appreciate their support. And I appreciate you guys supporting them and supporting me. Let's get right to this episode with Dwayne Adams. To just kind of shotgun uh, down through some of these units and, and have you uh, just basically maybe tell me a little bit about the unit uh maybe talk about some of the mountains obviously there's a lot of units so we got a lot of ground to cover but let's just um let's just dive in and talk about unit 29 and 29 i'm looking at the regs right now there's the october 27th through november 2nd november 10th through the 16th december 1st through the 10th and then the late hunt which is december 15th through the 31st in in unit 29 what do you know about 29? I believe the main mountain range there is the Chiricahuas. I've spent a little bit of time in there. Give me your thoughts on 29. If you want to hunt 29, you have to do a tremendous amount of homework because there's a lot of private property. And you got to be able to work your way around that private property. But if you learn how to get around it, there's some really great places. But you just can't drive down there and think you're going to do it on a weekend and not spend the homework. Once you figure out some of the access to get into some of those places, then there's some gigantic bucks down there. You know, it's it's one of those places, like a lot of those Sky Island uh, mountain chains down there, where it has some big 
big, bad, gnarly mountain, you know, high elevation, thick, thick timber, although they've had some fires down there. Um, but don't you think some of these units, uh, like your 33s, like your 29s, like your 34As, that have some of those big, you know, even the 32s like the Galeros have some of those real big gnarly mountains that have that real thick brush. Um, it seems like those units produce some big, big bucks because I think it's because some of those deer are up in that thick, thick stuff. And then, you know, they, they get vulnerable at times and either, you know, get caught out in the open or, or come down for the rut. I was just curious on, you know, as opposed to like, you know, like 36C, that doesn't really have that real gnarly, um, you know, thick mountainside. I was wondering if you could speak to that. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. That gives a chance to deer to, to grow up. And and 29 has that, that 27 has that, 23, 33. They, they all have that, that, that magic thing that you're talking about. But most of that country, you better be able to put a backpack on. And that's what makes it really good because... There's very few roads to get you into that real brutal country to, to kill those deer, and that's how those deer are surviving because, first, you got to backpack into them, and, secondly, you have a big canopy so the deer can survive both ways. So that, that gives a chance for, for those deer to grow up. And, and there's gigantic bucks in 29. I, I actually believe there's gigantic bucks in every unit. There's just not as many as in other units. Okay. What about... Let's talk about 30A and 30B, kind of talk about them together. Um, I don't know a lot about either one of those units. Well, I've kind of stayed out of those units again because of private property. That's another one of those private property places. Both those places down there are real structured. There's a couple of big ranches down there that you've got to work around, Jay. If you know how, and I figured it out, but it's taken me a lot of years, then you're kind of okay. But if you don't, then I, I hate to get. I tell people that all the time, Jay. You're gonna have to spend some time because of the private property. Twenty nine and those two units there have the most private property in the whole state of Arizona. The rest of the Coosier units, it's it's wide open. You can go get it. Okay, thirty one. It's that's, wide open. Thirty one has Mount Graham, the, right? Mount Graham's and the Santa Teresas. Okay. The Santa Teresas are to the north there. And they border they border the the San Carlos Indian Reservation, and there's deer all in that zone all the way down to the desert, all the way up to the Grams, all the way flat down to Fort Grant, all the way down to the road there. There's coos deer all over there, so that that's a good unit. Yeah, you know, um, 31. I've spent some time there in the Santa Teresas and a little bit in the in the Grams. Um, it's a beautiful unit, uh, like most of them are. Um, I, I remember there's a place down there called Stanley Butte right there by San Carlos uh, uh, Indian Reservation. Um, yep. And um, it's just really neat country. Obviously, you've got uh, uh, the Aravipa Canyon down there kind of kind of uh, between 31 and 32. And uh, it's, 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 it's a neat unit. One thing that's interesting about 31 is it seems to have uh, the highest, one of the highest numbers of uh, late season uh, uh, deer tags in that it has 125 on that December 15th through the 31st. Uh, and when you compare that to some of the other units, it I, I think it might be the highest number of late late tags uh, in there. And I think you're exactly right. And 
And the reason I think they did that is it, it sucks a lot of those deer come off the grams where it's so thick up there, and it gives it, gives them a chance to come down those slopes. And and I because I don't think it's hardly it's very difficult to kill those monster bucks until they come get in the ruck there. You know, while we're at it, um, while we're we're just talking about 31, um, all these units in southern Arizona, it looks like they have a. Um, you know, like I said, the October uh, 27th through November 2nd, November 10th through the 16th, December 1st through the 10th, and then the 15th through the 31st. Dwayne, it used to be they had an October hunt and then a November hunt and then a December hunt, and now they've kind of added that new 1st of December, you know, through the 10th hunt. What have you seen as far as it seems like it's just nonstop pressure on those deer? What does that do to the deer? How does each hunt, you know, how do you see each hunt progressing as far as quality of hunt and, you know, quality of buck seen on those four hunts? Well, you, you said a mouthful, in, in all honesty. I wish they didn't have that hunt. I wish they would just have the three hunts that you're talking about. I agree with each, you. Each hunt gets worse is what it amounts to. And each and the quality of the deer get less and less and less. And t- unless you really know what you're doing, because most people they'll hunt what they want to kill a, a three point, for example, on the first day, and after a day and a half they shoot a spike, and that's and that's really bad because that that could be a quality deer that could have grown up, but there are too many hunts, and the Catalinas even has one more than that you're talking about. They have a two a muzzleloader hunt plus two youth hunts. Yeah, that's um. I want to back up just for a second. So with those four hunts, the way I see it is guys that really do their homework can put in for that October hunt. And the only thing that they risk by putting in for the end of October is, yes, they get first crack, but the weather typically is a lot warmer, a lot hotter. Sometimes the deer aren't moving as much. One thing I have found is on some of those later hunts, you do get a little bit more reprieve from, you know, super hot temperatures. Seems like there's maybe a little bit more um, deer movement, but from a, from just a comfort standpoint of, you know, backpacking and what have you, sometimes it's a little more tolerable. Whereas those, you know, first, you know, the first season, October 27th, you know, it can you can have 90 degree temperatures still. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of a toss up because the later you get, the better the weather is. More, a little more comfortable for for humans. I don't think the deer really care at all. Um, but uh, speak to activity level. I mean, do you agree with me that you see a little more activity, see them out out feeding a little bit more the later the hunts, or do you, you you know do you fear that they're shot up so much that they're you know they're they're you know running for cover? Everything you say is the truth. You hit it on the head exactly what I tell people, literally. What you just said is exactly verbatim to what I say. There's only one advantage to the early season, and it, and it can be an advantage, but you better know where that a big buck is, and you better have patterned him. Because after about a day or so, and they start shooting, he, they won't be there. And then you also got to put up with the heat and the rattlesnakes and all of that stuff. And, and, and it's a big deterrent. What I found is if you don't kill that deer, you probably will never see them on that season again. And so let's let's take that a step further. If if you were 
planning, let's say, you know, people listening to this are trying to plan out which hunt they're going to do and they're going to put in a first choice, a second choice. A lot of people do, you know, the, the latest December hunt, what people call the rut hunt as the first choice. And then they maybe followed up with one of the other three, or maybe they do all five, you know, do, you know, sure. structure them however they do. Will you then, let's say you draw the second or the third hunt, um, will you actually pick different areas to hunt than maybe you would uh, on the October 27th on the first hunt? I mean, will you go in deeper? Will you go in further? Like mentally, how do you prepare, you know, and strategize for some of those second and third hunts? I go in, I, I wouldn't say go in farther, but I got I to gotta go to the trees. And okay. so wherever that is, you've got to go where the deer feel safe. They have to have a canopy. Uh, and it's and it's that simple. Or Jay, you got to go out in the flats. You got to go. You got to get out of that middle ground. You got to go out in the low country. Jay, I'm going to tell you a story. We chased a gigantic buck last year on the early season. Buck was in the 130s and didn't kill him. And we chased him on the second season and didn't kill him. And on the third season. We've seen the deer, and he's, he's way out in the flats, and he's a gigantic deer. Way out, way, I'm talking close to the highway, Jay. A guy was riding on a four-wheeler. We bumped the deer. The deer goes up over the hill on the other side. He shoots it and scored 134. Wow. We come walking up to the deer, and there this gigantic deer was within 100 yards of his four-wheeler. It happens, doesn't it? <laughs> it ha- it happens, but it doesn't happen that much. And and I I tell people that because we knew that deer was there, he didn't, and we kept playing. We we'd go in there and hunt a day, and if we didn't see him, we'd go to another place, and we'd and then I'd send somebody else over there. That instead of a guy sitting there and having to hunt him four or five days, we knew this big buck was there, so we kept hunting in there. But we didn't kill it, but we we actually scared it to somebody else, and they killed it. Dwayne, asking you a question about that hunt, um, do you feel like you made a mistake by not putting an absolute full court press with, you know, every single day, you know, circling the wagons? I mean, was there ever a point where you thought, ah, we bumped him, he's gone? Or or was it truly you you just kept staying, or, you know, did you truly stay after him or did you make a mistake on that deer? Well, and that's uh, that's just part of guiding. I mean, we, I second guess myself a lot of times, but you can only look at that flat country to, to so much that you want to turn the gun on each other. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I'm being honest, because yeah. it's just rolling cut hills, and you can't get enough advantages, Jay, that you can see miles and miles and miles. If I had the tag, I could stay there until hell freezes over. But when you're taking a client. He can only take so much of that. Yeah, because you're I, not I, seeing a lot of deer. You're looking at no, the same hill, no. and, and and you're, you know, there's people buzzing around, and and in the back of your mind, it's human nature to be like, well, did that deer move? He's really not here. Like, we Jay, should be, this you know, deer was 300 yards off the main highway, killed, wow. the main highway, and so this deer was staying within a half a mile to three-quarters of a mile from the highway. we seen him by accident is how we seen him run across the road going in early one morning. And wow. then my son-in-law, son-in-law and I, Nick DeBaca, we went to another gear. And I said, this is where that deer's at. 
Okay, we got to figure it out. So the sun came up. I said, we got to get on that hill. So, and we had just scouting this place. This was in the summer. So we walked across there, killed two rattlers, walking over there, got on that knob, and then I told my son-in-law, Nick, I said, he's out there. Nick, he started looking. Nick says, there he is. I said, where? He had another 100-inch buck with him, and he had another 90-inch buck with him. And they're all three together. And we started watching him and watching him, and then he went off of this little cut, and he never come out of it. And the cut couldn't have been 10 feet. We didn't see the deer for another three weeks and, and kept going in there and popping and looking, and then we'd pick him up. It was so, so flat and so thick with just miles of ocotillas and little washes. That's how he survived. Yeah. So you can only take a guy, Jay, there so long, and he's going to say, right, let's go somewhere else, Mr. Adams. He said, uh, I don't think there's nothing here. Well, you can't, you can't argue with somebody when it's like that because it's, it's their tag. It's not mine. Yeah, for sure. Um, that brings me to another question of most big deer that you've been around in your life, most big deer from the time from summer to the time that they rut, like their life cycle, if you had to, 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 to give a radius or, or you know a circle of how much ground do they move around or how tight of a circle on the biggest you know some of the biggest bucks you've been around, do they have a big wide circle or do they have a real tight circle? No, it's it's more tight than people ever dream, and and the only time that it gets untight is during the rut, and they don't even like doing it then. And that's what I found. They it most big bucks. You'll hear people say they live and die within a mile. I don't think it's that big. I think they live and die within a half of that. And I think that they figured out something to survive, like this buck that I'm talking about. And and whatever that is, it is. And they stay there, and they either die or they get killed. But mostly they they live, they literally live until old age and die in holes like that. Look, the, the Yacht Boys are as good a deer hunters as there is, coos deer hunters. Uh, the, their daughter, their sister has killed three Boone and Crockett bucks, all over to over 120. And these boys take their sister, and they've all killed Boone and Crockett bucks with a bow and rifles and on and on. And I talk to these kids because they're as good of coos deer hunters as there is in America. And they're hunting one canyon, one place, just like me. And their dad, Dana, taught them that. They're staying there, and they're moving from point to point, Two years ago, the brother killed a 132, and he never left the rock for five days. Same rock, looked at the same place. So and, what I take from that, Dwayne, and I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, what I take from that, and I try and tell people myself, is coos deer are a really unique animal in the fact that if you find a big giant buck and you find him any time other than the rut... I'm going to tell you if you keep going back to the same spot or going to different points but basically using the center point where you saw the buck as like the nucleus, like that's your home area and, you know, pound all around it and don't get too far away, that that, that's how you, you know, find those big bucks. That's how you kill those big bucks because they they live in those big ones live in a little tight circle, just like you said. That's how I Jay, this year, uh, I have killed in my hunting career 499 coos deer. 
I'm one deer short of 500. And every one of those deer, Jay, has taught me a tremendous lesson. And that's what I try to teach my son-in-law and these guys that are working with me. And, you know, don't take big deer for granted that they're going to be there just because it's a rut. When you figure them out outside the rut, then you are a killer. And that's what I tell them. Then you got them down. And that's where those... that's where those early hunts, that's where those October 27th early hunts can be a gem because you get first crack at them, you pattern a buck, you can pattern them all summer long, and then he's going to be right there. Stay on the same rock, don't leave it until you kill the buck. I mean, guys that I've interviewed over and over and over, the cooster hunters, they say, when you find a big buck, you hunt that buck until you kill him. Or the, that's right. Or the season expires. That's right. And that's that. I give the exact same advice, but you can't do that with clients. I, I mean, I I've Unless been guiding it's the for, right client. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you don't get the right client. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I I have I have the right client. And I'll tell you his name. His name's Doc Finale. He's killed twenty one bucks with me from Las Vegas, and and he's about the only guy oh. that I've guided. He's killed four Boone and Crockett bucks with me. If I tell him there's a big buck in here, and I say red. There's a big buck here. We're gonna we're gonna stay here. He said, "Whatever you say, Dwayne." And he'll get up underneath the tree and go to sleep. And that's hot. He'll he'll sit there and he'll eat, get up and get a drink of water, eat some sandwich, sit there. And he has done that with me on four cases. He's killed four Buddha Crockett bucks, and and it's taken me days and days and days. He doesn't pound me. Doesn't tell me we got to move. But Jay, that's not the norm for clients. Yeah, that's true. That's that's that's. That's really true. Um, let, let's jump over to Unit 32, which I know is close um, to your heart. Um, obviously, Unit 32 is the Galeros um, and uh, the Winchesters. Um, uh, talk to me about Unit 32. A lot of great deer. A lot of, a lot of places that the Galeros and the Winchesters have a tremendous amount of deer. From one end, from Air Viper Canyon, on the north end, all the way down to the Winchesters on the south end. Uh, you can come in through Mule Shoe at that ranch and, there, and, and, and just hike in any direction, and, and there's coos deer, and you can come in from the sat, from a tabletop on this side or, or Turkey Creek from the other side. There's deer in the whole mountain range and lots of deer. What have you seen? I mean, you've been hunting it for, for what, 30, 40 years now? Yes, right. I've been guided for 38, and I've been hunting since since I was a boy. What have you seen as far as any, you know, is there still the same amount of deer as there used to be? Is there more? Is there less? Um, you know, pretty much I'm all often the... A, I'm often asked that same question you just asked right there. And, and I don't know if it's I'm a better hunter, or I just think there's just as many deer. Okay. I, or I, 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 we're still seeing lots of bucks, still quality bucks. You know, we're not seeing the deer that along the road. You know, but we're not along the road. We're 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 working. We're hunting places that people don't think that there there's deer or don't want to work to 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 where those deer are, and that's why we're seeing lots of deer. Okay, good stuff. I I love the Galeros and the Winchesters. That's just absolute beautiful country. I mean. You know, that Sombrero Butte country, that, you know, Redfield Canyon, you you know, you've got Aravipa on the north, um, you know, like you said, Turkey Creek and Deer Creek over there on the east. Um, yep. Just 
you know, one thing about 32, it's got a lot of really good access. Um, you know, it's got desert country. It's got, you know, that mid-range country. And then it's got some beautiful oak country. Um, for sure, 32 is is uh, a, a real special unit. Uh, let's talk about unit 33, which I know is one of your favorites. Well, I think 33, uh, I think the best three units in the United, in the United States is 33, 27, and 23. I think there's bigger bucks in those three units than all the other units. Why? Why? Well, it's because of what you just said earlier, because of the canopy of the trees and the thickness, and it's rough. Every one of those units are brutally rough. There are not roads everywhere. So you have to put a backpack on in each one of those units to get into gigantic bucks, and they're there. Jay, last year there were 20 bucks killed in the Catalinas that made Boone and Crockett between 115 and 130 that I personally know about. Wow. Now, I'm sure there are a lot more that were killed that I didn't know about, but that's that's what I know that guys had called me and, and told me that Hunter here and, and there, there's monster bucks in the Catalinas. But there's not a lot of access. That's the difference. You got Charlotte Gap coming in from the west side, and then you got the road from the Catalinas that go to, all the way up to, to Mount Lemon, and then you got to go to the river and then cut up those washes and stuff to come up. There's, there is just not roads in there, and that's what makes the Catalinas gigantic. On the front side of the Catalinas, right down downtown Tucson, all on the, on the east side of that mountain range, there are monster bucks in people's backyards all the way through Sabino Canyon. I mean, I'm talking Boone and Crockett bucks all in there. Yeah, and, and 33 is, is um, uh, also has the Rincons in it. I was wondering, um, kind of compare and contrast the Catalinas and the Rincons. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. They're, they're pretty different type country to have in the same unit. Uh, but they're they're you know obviously the Rincons are not as big as as the Catalinas, but it's a giant mountain range in its in its own right. We've killed some great deer in the Rincons over the years, and the Rincons is exactly like that. There's a lot of roads that go nowhere that you have to park and then walk to you know way back into that country. And what makes the Rincons, I think, a real gold mine is the Saguaro National Monument. All those deer on the Saguaro National Monument, which most people don't realize, the Saguaro's run all the way down into Tucson. But what's not being told, that monument runs all the way up to the top of the Rincons on the west side. And there's no hunting there. So those monster bucks can live there, and they come off the rut. Yeah, and it's those sanctuary places that allows those bucks to, you know, um, to grow up and get big and get old. And then... You know they'll they'll lower their guard down. Uh, you know that 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 late hunt uh, in the Catalinas, say the last five days after Christmas, um, has it been your experience that you see pretty good rutting activity that last five days, or or you know what is the norm for you in 33 for rutting? That's when I I have every client come in the day after Christmas on on that hunt and. And, and I tell them we'll see more bucks on the last five days than we've seen on the first ten. Yeah, it's and a that's huge why difference. you hit you hit it right on the head. That's exactly right. And I do hunt that country you're talking about, 
but you got to realize there's no roads over there. You got to you got to park it and walk into the where to the boundaries are, and those fingers coming off there, and invariably there'll be a gigant a gigantic buck. I've got two bucks on in my book that I killed in there that are in the one twenties in the Rincons. Dwayne, if you had to pick, if if you just had to throw out a a, a piece of country like type of country. For someone to go find a giant buck, would it be Ocotillo, Mesquite, Oak, or Pine? No, it'd be it would be the it'd be the high country if if uh, if you had to pick one because the low country has them, but they can be killed pretty easy there once somebody figures it out. They can't be killed easy in the high country. So if you lace them up and go into that high country and stay. You're probably going to see a big buck if you if you have any kind of skill at all. And don't you think it's one of those things when you do go to the high country because it's so thick? That's what gives them their sanctuary. That's what gives them. You know, they're hard enough to see on an open hillside, nonetheless in the thick trees. That's what gives them their sanctuary. Um, but the challenge is, you go to the high country on these hunts, whether it's you know the first, second, third, fourth hunt you got to be prepared to go, and maybe you go days and you don't even see a deer. Well, I think that's exactly right. But I'm going to tell you something else that I think that the high country has that the low country doesn't have. And, and, and I really pay attention to this. If there's lions in there, any, any kind of lions, I, I don't hunt there, Jay. And, and what I've found is those lions have killed more big bucks than I've ever seen. So in other words, how, how do you know if an area is really thick with lions? Do you talk to lion hunters? What? Yeah, yo, Lord, yes. I know, I know Wade Eccles, and I know I know uh, Andy Knowlton, and those two boys are as good as there is, and, they're, and, and I stay in touch with those guys. And when I see a lion somewhere, I call those two gentlemen. They're both quality individuals, and, and they, they, they go kill them. And, uh, and, and, and it, that helps me, and it helps them as well. But, listen, you can't have two or three toms work in an area and killing a deer every three or four or five days and think you're going to have 130 deer everywhere. You're not. Well, we see a lot of that in Mexico. Um, you know, we love hunting coos deer in Mexico. And, um, you know, some of these ranches, you know, yeah, there's no other hunters on the property. But you go and you see, you know, in seven days, you see four or five different lions, uh, and those are the ones you're seeing, and you wonder where your deer went. Uh, you know, the, in Mexico, they don't hunt the lions near like they do in the United States, um, and I think that's a huge factor. And I think sometimes people come to Mexico and hunt coos, and they're like, I thought there was tons of deer in Mexico. And I say, well, some places there are, and it can change pretty quickly, too. If you get a group of lions, you know, if they move in there, all of a sudden you come back from one year to the next and, you know, you've wiped your deer out. But, uh, you know, I think I think lions are a huge part of, you know, big bucks because it seems like they kill those big bucks, too. Well, I think they kill them very easily because most big bucks are like people. They're crippled up. They're old. They're arthritic. They can't run like a younger deer. And they're in those little rocky bluffs and rough places, and they're just easy cat kills. Listen, you take four lions, just like you said, that's 200 deer. Right. That I doesn't mean, take any, long to wipe out a place. 
No, any lion hunter will tell you that. Yeah. That, that, that you know they kill one a week. I mean, it's it's simple as that. So so that wipes out a whole, a whole place. But what I found two years ago, we killed a deer, and this this will, and we're patting each other on the back. You got him. You got him. And and I said that was a great shot. And one of my guides says, "Hey, Dwayne, something's wrong." He said, "Look down there. The deer's crawling off." We got in a binoculars, let it daybreak, and we looked down there, and a lion had picked up the deer and was walking off with the deer that we had just shot. Wow. So one of the guides had a tag. He shot it, and we went down there, and it was ironic. There was 11 dead deer in that canyon that we found in the course of that day, 11 skeletons. I mean, they had been there for six months, eight months, I don't know, 11 of them. As I got up at the top end of this thing, we jumped another lion coming out, and it took off running. We just killed one now, and this was a female. and That had to be a male, so I called Andy. I said, Andy, I'm at such and such place at such and such. I told him the story. He was there within about an hour and a half. He struck that dog, that, that lion and chased that thing. He never caught it, but he chased up over a cliff, and he told me, he said, I never hunt down there, Dwayne. I didn't think there was any lions. He said, I couldn't believe. He said, did you see all the dead deer? So if you don't think those lions are working those big bucks over, we're just kidding ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I had Andy on the podcast a couple months ago and got a lot of great feedback. It was a, it was a riot talking to him. Uh, let's talk uh, 34A and the Santa Rita's. Um, one of the most beautiful places, I think, in southern Arizona. I like it a lot. I like the Santa Rita's a tremendous amount. It has every kind of, of hunting that you want from the top of the mountain all the way down to the desert floor. It's, there's a lot of access. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good place to hunt deer. But a pro- the problem with that unit, to me, is all that access and all that roads, there's too many tags. Yeah. And so they have hurt 34A, I think, in my opinion, more than they have the other three big units that I told you about that you have to walk in. The 34A, the 36B, and, and 36A, those get hurt bad with all those tags because it's accessible to kill those deer. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're great units. 34A is a great unit for people that want to go on their first coos deer hunt. They want to see a lot of deer. I I would totally agree with you that, you know, the, the trophy deer, the big, the, they're still there. There's still big deer there. But wouldn't you agree that it, there's so many tags? I mean, there's I'm looking at it here. There's... 675 on the first, 675 on the second, 600 on the third, and 100 yeah. on the late hunt. I mean, it's that's a ton of pressure. You can get around pretty good in the unit, pretty good access. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, for someone coming from out of state that maybe just is a first time, just wants to experience coos deer hunting, uh, it's a great unit because it's pretty good access and has good diversity of country. Um, and, and it's just gorgeous, uh, for sure. But I think the quality definitely has declined a little bit. Me too. I I, I say the exact same thing. Okay, it's declined. Thirty-four B, the Whetstones. Um, I have never spent time in the Whetstones at all, so I, I don't I don't know that country. Well, the Whetstones has another one of those problems that we're talking about. A lot of private property there. A lot of private ranches, and access can be very difficult. Okay. 35A, uh, excluding Fort Huachuca, 
Now, I will say 35A, you start getting um, illegal aliens, you start getting some of that, you know, some of that, tra uh, you know, traffic that, that you hear about and see about on the news. Um, that's definitely a unit that jumps out at me as, as definitely one to make sure that you're aware. Um, beautiful place down there, Parker Canyon Lake Country. Um, what do you know about 35A? I know a lot about it, and, and there's some really good country down there, and there's some really good deer. You just don't want to go around that base because you, those military guys, they're, they're not nobody you want to mess with. So you, I, would, I wouldn't be hunting around the base or anywhere close to it. But off of it, there's some good country. All that Parker Canyon Lake and all of that stuff in there, there's some really good, good coos deer country there and a lot of good access. But it's oak country, so it's, it, it, the deer have a tendency to survive better. Yeah, I mean... There's some, it's, it's, it's a little thicker country. It doesn't quite have that, that it does have Ocotillo and it does have Mesquite, but it doesn't have near as much as some of the other units. Would you agree? It's got more of that That's you know, right. like Canelo Hills. It's got that rolling Oak and yes, some yes. of those places are a little hard to hunt because there's not big, huge vantage points. It's kind of more rollers, you know, just beautiful to the eye, but a little bit more challenging to hunt. And I think there's a chance for a bigger buck to be around. That's right. It, I think that's exactly right. Okay, 35B, I've spent a little bit of time, but not very much, and I think it's kind of a sleeper. Um, curious what your thoughts are. Well, we've hunted there. We've hunted there quite a bit, and then we got pulled away from there because of the of the, the drug peddling and, the, and, the, and, the, and that stuff that went on there. That's we kinda the Patagonias, had right? Yeah, we got, we, got, we got kind of, you know, worried about that stuff, so... Hopefully that gets tamed down because look, nobody wants to take their family member down there and have a run in with drug lords. I mean, let's get serious. Yeah, uh, that that that's crazy. So, it, hopefully we get some of that turned down because a lot of those border units are tremendous good hunting, but they've they've had a lot of problems with people and people are afraid of them. Thirty six A. I have not spent any time in thirty six A. What what mountain ranges are those, and what do you know about thirty six A? That's the Sierra Colorados, and there's a bunch of just little tiny knobs out there, all out there, and there's hundreds of them. But it's it's mixed coos deer and mule deer, and the mule deer and the coos deer can be the exact same place. A lot of Ocotilla, miles and miles and miles of Ocotilla. On the frontage, on the east side, you have the the Cerita Mine, and you have and you have the Cat. Proving grounds, and they've they've tied all that property up on the east side along the freeway. But on the back side of that, once you figure out how to come in, there's some tremendous, very good hunting. Because most people, it it, it takes a long time to figure out how to get around in there because there's hundreds and hundreds of roads, and it not be it, it being state trust land, there is no road sign saying road 27, road 32. You got to go figure it out, and then once you figure it out, there's some tremendous places to hunt. Okay, um, 36B. Um, that's around Aravaca Junction, correct? Like the Buenos yes, Aires. Yeah, Aravaca and Pena Blanca. Yes, and and it's to me, for my in my career growing up, it was one of the, the best units in the United States. And then they they dumped so many tags, and I think there's six, seven, eight hundred. I don't know. They, yeah, there's eight hundred on the first, eight hundred on the second, yeah. seven fifty on the third, and forty on the on the final hunt. 
see it's too many and 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 before they did that my lord my lord we killed gigantic bucks in there all the time but that extra you know two and three hundred for years there were a thousand tags there and they had a thousand 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 and they cut it back well it's still too much and and what's happened is they've they've literally worked it over and and there's not big bucks there a 90 inch deer there is a big deer today Wayne, it seems like when I first started coos deer hunting, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you could hunt like they blocked like 30, like 36, uh, all of the 36s, A, B, and C were together, and it seemed like yes. maybe a, a 35A and 35B were together. Right. It seemed like the, maybe even like 31, 32, 33, like, like huge That's right. blocks of unit. And, and um, how do you think? Do you think there's more pressure now on the deer? Because I want to say that was like 2,000 tags or something. Do you think there's more pressure now or, or more pressure then when they had it? Oh, like no, that? there's way more pressure now, Jay, because, because they've the isolated. Structure? Yeah. yeah, they've isolated those, those, those hunts, and then they've dumped more tags in there than, than before when they had the blocks that you're talking about. They had those for years. And and if somebody was hunting here, you could go to another unit. It was okay. Well, now those are the guys in the other unit. They can't leave their unit. They got to stay there. So they just keep attacking. You know what, Dar and I? I was talking to my hunting partner Dar today, and one thing we were talking about is exactly that point. And you know, so if you break it into four hunts, basically what you get is each hunt, the first three or four days, you've got a whole nother group of gung-ho hunters. Whereas if you left it as one or two hunts, after two or three days, the hunters, you know, they'd, they'd be, you know, do a two or three day hunt and be done. And then the unit would not see much pressure. When you get these four hunt structures, you get, you get new groups of guys every single hunt that are fired up for four or five days and they i i agree with you they put way more pressure on a unit than say if you know they just left one big you know hunt and even gave you know a two-week season or something i mean i understand they're trying to create opportunity but it is interesting because it definitely puts more pressure on the on the deer for sure jay i i tell the clients and my guys that work for me 10 percent of each hunt are killers. I don't yeah. care what unit it is or what hunt it is. Ten percent of those people. So if you have six hundred people, you got sixty killers out there. That's usually the figure. Those are guys that are going to backpack. They're the guys that's going to go the extra mile. They're going to scout. The ninety percent, it's just life. They're they're there with their friends. They're going to hunt the weekend and they and they got to go back to work. And that's just the way it is. So when you start adding 800, now you've got 80 guys out there that are killers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's finish up here on Unit 36C, um, and that's uh, the Baba Kivris. And uh, just an, I, I haven't been in it in years, but it's just a really neat mountain range. It borders Mexico uh, and borders the Tohono Odom on, I believe, the uh, west side. And Baba Kivri Peak, and it's just um, some real historical ranches and stuff in there. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on 36C? It used to be kind of the crown jewel. You know, people really talked about it. What is the status of the unit now? Well, it's not, and it used to be. That's exactly right. And I think what really hurt it more than anything else was all the aggravation with the helicopters uh, and and the border patrol 
chasing the, the illegals across the mountain range there. Uh, I guide there periodically every year on some hunt, and last year was no exception. Uh, we were chasing a nice buck, and a helicopter come in the canyon and, and come right down the middle of the canyon with a helicopter at about 100 feet. Now, look, every deer in the canyon run out, including the deer that we were seeing. When you start doing that, 365 days out of the year, you got a problem, and I think that's been more problem, Jay, than hunters and anything else. There was horseback guys in there. Two days before that happened, 25, 26 you know, uh, 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 Border Patrol guys chasing some, some drug lords, they told us, and they're all over the ridges pushing. You, you, you just can't hunt when you have that kind of craziness <laughs> Chaos, going on. Yeah, yeah and, it's, and, 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 and there's gigantic bucks used to be there all the time. But, I mean, they're, they've cut roads in there that, that you couldn't use to – there was no roads. Now they got roads in there so they can get their trucks in there. And, and and they're running on top of those ridges into the Toho Autumn all over that country where they used to never do that because now the, the drug lords are coming up the reservation across an I-8. You see that on TV. So it, it's, it's turned into a mess. I remember the coyotes used to be kind of a hidden gem, you know, on the northern part of the unit, a real rock pile. Um, but, sure. you know, historically some giant bucks shot there in the coyotes. I haven't been down there in years, but just real, real interesting country for sure. Still a good. Lo- a lot of Ocotillo. Um, not a lot of oaks in that country. Some around Babakivri Peak, but primarily a lot of Ocotillo. A lot more deserty country. But, I mean, over the, say, the last 30 years, there have been handfuls of giants shot out on those desert flats. Still, still very good. The coyotes are still as good. They're they're better than than the Bobakiris because by the time they get to the end of that mountain range, the the illegals have spread out and try to go to the roads. Yeah. So I, I, it, it's not it's not that much problem there. Okay. Before we um before we conclude here, I'm looking at the youth uh, deer seasons. It's speaking about coos deer. Um, in, in some of this country, you know, there's there's uh, 23 uh, youths. Uh, uh, let's see, there's a 21, a 22, a 23. Those are all October 13th through the 19th. Uh, unit 27, and then there's some earlier hunts. Uh, October 6th through the 12th, 28, 31, and 32 are lumped together. Um, 29, 30A, and 30B. There's two hunts, two youth hunts in 33, one in 34A. If if you're talking to dads or, or you know um, uncles or grandpas out there with with kids and they're looking at youth hunts, in your mind, what are the best youth hunts uh, for coos deer? Well, I would hunt anything but 33. Uh, the 33 is too tough for kids. And I would hunt those units that I told you about, the, the 34A, 36, 30, 36A, any of those units that, that are really easy, pretty easy walking, pretty easy to see a deer so a kid doesn't have to hurt himself. And But 33, every year a client will call me and he drew a tag and they struggled with their kids up there because it's rough. It's really rough. Good. That's so good I, advice. I just realized um, those are any antler deer, which I think is pretty good 
um, to give the kids an opportunity to shoot mule deer or coos deer. And, um, you know, sometimes you can hunt some of that lower country and have mule deer and coos both. But the key, I think, Dwayne, is get those kids out there and and um, don't make it a trophy hunt. Make it, you know, make it fun and make it enjoyable. Right. Um, you know, any advice you could give to dads I'm gonna, taking their kids I'm going to close with by telling a story that, okay. that uh, every father, and I give this in seminars, and this, my daughter was 10 years old, and, 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 and my, my, me and two of my friends that worked for me took her deer hunting, and the first deer I seen, I told her, you're shooting. She said, okay, Dad, we're not hunting trophies. We're going to kill one. And we glassed a little two-point mule deer, and this was in 36A. We got within range. She shot, and she killed it, and, and it was a, a great hunt to this day. And my wife, my daughter's 37 years old today, and she is tickled to death with this. We went down, and we gutted the deer, and we took pictures and, and just hugged and cried and did everything. Put the deer, deboned it, and got back up on top of a ridge and was getting ready to go down the next ridge to the truck. And here comes this gentleman screaming at the top of his lungs at this little boy for dragging the gun and his jacket. And we could hear this gentleman cussing and screaming like a moron. And, man, I, I, I don't get mad, Jay, but that was horrible and disgusting. The boy was in tears crying. So I told my daughter, I said, Mary... And I, I said, do you mind if we hunt this little boy? And she said, no, Dad. I said, let's, let's go down and help that little boy. So we walked down there, me and my guys and my daughter. And when, the guy, when we got down there, he had every kind of excuse in the world that there were no deer, Jay. But he never stopped in glass five seconds. All he did was scream at that kid. And I told him, I said, you, would, you, would you like to kill a deer? I told the little boy, and, and I, he looked up at me. I said, could you kill one? I'll, I'll take you. And he said, yeah, I, I would like to. I said, let's go back up on this knob. We got up there. The dad didn't bring no water, Jay. He didn't have a backpack. It was a miserable hunt for the child, miserable. We gave him some water, had a Gatorade, gave him a candy bar. My daughter was talking to the boy back and forth, and it, my one of my guides didn't last 15 seconds, and he found another two-point over there. And I said, there's the deer right there, son. So we got him over there, and his dad had a 243 that a scope that was worthless. You couldn't see a car out of it. <laughs> worthless, Jay. And the boy kept trying to see it. So finally I figured out, I said, let me see that gun, son. Uh, Jay, it, the scope was worthless. You couldn't even see it was filthy. You couldn't, four power, it was, it was, his dad probably gave it to the guy. So I had a best of the West rifle that they had gave me years ago. And I had that gun. And I set that gun on a backpack and I set the boy down there. And, and uh, we ranged the deer, it was about 300 yards. I clicked the scope. And I said, do you see the deer, son? And we sat there, and, and he said, I do see it, sir. I said, just pull the trigger. He pulled the trigger two or three times, and I dry-fired it. I dry-fired it. I said, you got it again? He said, yeah. And he didn't know on the fourth time that I closed the bolt and put the shell in the barrel. And I said, now listen to me. Do the exact same thing, son. Hold it against your shoulder tight. I told him, just take your time. The gun goes off, Jay. The deer collapses. <laughs> we go down there, and I, we took all kinds of pictures with this young boy. This kid 
to this day calls me. Yeah. Thanking me, Jay. I'm already cry. Thanking me. Yeah. That that's that's pretty awesome. That's that's neat that you took the time to do that and I think it's important for anybody listening, um, whether you're taking a child or, or a new hunter, um, to make sure they have a good experience and, and um you know, make it fun for them because that's what we need. We need more hunters out there and we need to make it fun. And, um, you know, we talk about killing big bucks and, you know, Dwayne's had an unbelievable career killing, you know, 499 coos deer and, and all of that. But, you know, Dwayne would probably tell you some of the smallest deer that he's ever shot or some of the, the, the happiest moments. And that's right. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's not about as much as we're into killing big giant deer it's you know a lot of times it's not all about that and uh Dwayne, it's awesome having you on the podcast again uh i just uh, love watching the success that you have and and uh you know it's uh you've taught me a lot you've got an incredible book uh uh that i've read and um you're just uh you know you you're you're a, a, a legend in the state of arizona and i'm just happy to have you on the podcast and i want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can reach you how they can get a hold of you uh, uh before this draw deadline and then uh hopefully after the draw deadline uh if they'll be listening to this podcast as well and how can they reach you well they can call me at my phone number at 520-385-4995 or they can look me up on the web at Arizona Big Game Hunting, Dwayne Adams, and I'd love to talk to them, even if they don't hire me. I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to people. to uh, Any way I can help people to, get to, to try to kill a quality animal. Well, Dwayne, uh, thank you so much for that. And um, just uh, like I said, I'm, I'm ha- uh, very thankful to have you on the podcast and wish you the best of success. And uh, I know uh, God has blessed you and many many ways and um i'm happy for that and uh tell your family hello and uh, i'll see you down the road here and god bless you and the lord has blessed me that's the truth the lord blessed me in many ways god bless you jay you have a, you have a great show and I'm, I'm honored to be on it all right buddy thank you so much take care god bless you bye bye right.